Welcome to the game. It's a beautiful thing. With Mark Duffy. The son of a darkened shearer and a self-described ball-playing jack of all trades. We shouldn't be surprised, should we? Who lit up footy fields in the southwest before becoming WA's preeminent AFL scribe. My goodness! And Glenn Quarterman. Wow! Proud Victorian parked permanently in the West who would have played 300 AFL games if not for his incredibly small hands. Goodness gracious me! Together they are Duff Duff and Quarters. You know who? And this is your favourite footy podcast. It's unbelievable! Yes, hello everybody. It is Tuesday. It is time for the first edition this week of the Duff and Quarters podcast. We are brought to you by TabTouch. Those with the touch, you can better your bet. Download TabTouch today. Please gamble responsibly and please call Gambler's Help on 1800 858 858 if you encounter any difficulties. Well, we often say it's been a big week in footy. It's been a big 24 hours in footy. Quarters, you and I are going to talk about everything at Essendon and we have with us Tim Walker in the studio from Tab Radio. Tim, welcome to the show. Hello, gents. Great to be with you. You can say that again. What an incredible 24 hours and the start to this week. It has been incredible to watch what's happened at Essendon. Essendon in turmoil. We've had to peel quarters off the ceiling. He's gotten that high on it all. Quarters, what are oh, you No, about? I don't like seeing Essendon in turmoil, Duff. You know that. <laughs> I should also welcome Tim. Great to have you here. Tim's on 5.30 to 9, Monday to Friday on uh, Tab Radio with our good friend Digby Beecham. Yes. Stirring indeed. up trouble, no doubt. Yes, well. Well, you talk about Essendon, he's one that's followed along very, very uh, closely what's happened with Essendon. He's a North Melbourne man. Yes, so, uh, yeah, taking a keen interest is an understatement. funny how Essendon polarises people, no matter what club you come from. Uh, Look, I think, I'm going to call it now, I think Clarko, Alistair Clarkson will coach Essendon. So let's go, you've been on the phone to a couple of contacts this morning already, and so what we're hearing... Uh, according to your contacts, is that Clarkson has a very keen interest in the Bombers. Well, job. his manager has come out this morning and said, my client has a strong interest in the Essendon job. Now, my read on it is that he was close to North Melbourne. They've offered him a five-year deal. My read that he wasn't that... Maybe he didn't display the interest they were after in going for the GWS job, and I believe that's down to Adam Huse and Kingsley. Adam Huse. Yes, correct. <laughs> And um, Adam Uze. <laughs> and uh, so it comes down to North Melbourne or Essendon really for Clarko. And this is the job, I'm told, he he really wanted and was perhaps just say, sitting on his wings a little bit waiting to see what developed. I think Paul Brasher leaving, who is a big ally of Ben Rutten, and um, David Barham coming in, whose language has been very strong. I think they're going after Clarko big time and I reckon they'll get him. Yeah, I reckon you're right. I, well, let's just start with the incumbent. Ben Rutten's position now is untenable, isn't it? Yep. And the treatment of him by the Essendon Football Club, I would have thought, is as tawdry as tawdry gets when it comes to the departure of an AFL Not club. unusual. How did they treat Woosher in the last year of his contract? Yeah. This is... This is I mean, I know that it's never pretty when a club leaves... Uh, when a club and a coach part company, but this... I, this is as messy as it gets... And to have one board endorse you and then another board effectively sack you, which is what they did. Basically, 
we all read the tea leaves on this 24 hours ago, and we went, hang on a minute, Rutten's not going to be coaching them next year. Well, he's, you know what? He's coaching them this morning, Tim. Yeah. How does he go into Tullamarine this morning and talk to the players, review the game from the weekend, knowing that the players are probably thinking, well, he's not going to be here in as soon as 24 hours, 48 you know hours what, from now? You know what his two, his two words he said to the media, assembled out the front this morning? Not ideal. Not ideal. <laughs> <laughs> That's understating it a little bit, isn't it? Is it the ruthless side of it, though, that Essendon fans would have been really, really excited to see, knowing that they haven't maybe quite been that over the last five, ten years, and even further back than that? So you go back to when Fremantle did this in 2011, when they had a terrible run with injury at the back end of the season, um, plunged out of finals contention. Mark Harvey was coach on the stage at our Football of the Year presentation one morning, was sacked in the afternoon. No one saw it coming. Not the, him. The AFL didn't see it coming. And the AFL always knows about these things um, ahead of time. It was as clean a coup. And now that's not to say it was tasteful or it wasn't brutal or anything like that, but it was clean. This is just messy and tawdry, yep. isn't it? Like it's played out in the public arena. Um, there's been, you know, whispers about it for a few weeks. Um, Clarko, I'm not sure that Clarko comes out of this very well. Clarko would want to coach well at Essendon. I'm not sure if there's any stain on Clarko over this one. I mean, Clarko's allowed himself to be courted by three clubs. Well, good luck to him. Good luck to him. It drives his price up. And, and the mail was that North Melbourne were expecting to make an announcement midweek. Mm hmm. And now suddenly he's got strong interest in another he job. He has indeed. Well, it's available. Uh, but we could, should point out it hasn't actually Have you ever been, been at a nightclub in one of those situations quarters where yes. you make it all the way to the door and then the person who's on your arm has strong interest in someone else? Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, <laughs> Duff, yes, on a few occasions back in the day. Tim? <laughs> well, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Duff? Um, a long, long time ago, yes. yes. Oh, look, I, you know, I'll go beyond that. So Essendon announced an internal review some time ago which is, was ridiculous. Now they've conceded, okay, we probably will have an external review, um, which is ridiculous again. You know the thing that struck me at the weekend, apart from what was a disgusting performance from Essendon at the weekend, that was disgusting. At Marvel Stadium, the flag went up early, early, early in that game. Nick Hine, his body language on the bench... Now went, that, that's not from the weekend. Okay, sorry, yeah, but that... That that's from a couple of weeks yeah, ago. That's disgusting too. You know, it's harden up. And if this is the play, if this is the belief and the attitude of the player group, well, it's no wonder he's got a job on his hands. But clearly, there needs to be change. You don't cough up a performance like that. But I'd suggest first thing the incoming coach does, Alistair Clarkson, is say, "I'm going to have a, a few. No one's safe. No one is safe on this list." Do you yeah. agree? Well, I'd look at that Nick Hine footage and I'd be pulling Nick Hine into a room and saying, you do that with me, mate, and you won't last the weekend. I'm tipping he's not doing that with Clarko. Yeah. You know, I'll go back to I'll go back to when he was appointed at Hawthorne. The very first – I was curious, what is, what's going on here? Why have we appointed this bloke? This bloke, he, he's got, he had good footy credentials, but it was a real left-field pick. So I turned up at the first training session at Glenferry Oval, just wondering, 
I just want to have a look at this. There was a Hawthorne ruckman, Robert Campbell. He was, was the first lap. That, of that, that's Quarters' way of saying he's a A-grade roll goal liniment sniffer. <laughs> <laughs> no, but he had his Robbie Campbell had his leg up on a on a um, the, the boundary. He'd done a lap, threw his cap on the ground. My goodness, Clark, Clarkson's come over and just given it to him on both barrels. Do not disrespect the uniform. Why are you throwing that while you're on this footy? But I just thought it's just set the tone straight away. Who's in charge here? Doesn't look like, and he's not on his own, Rutten. Is he in charge of this group? It doesn't seem like he does because they're, if they're following instructions out in the field, they're not very good instructions. It's a really good call that they've become, there's nothing ruthless about them. And even Ben's language after the game, it was very wishy washy and very watered down. It should have been, I do not accept that as the coach of the Essendon Football Club. The players that have dished that up have got to sit in a room and answer to themselves and answer to each other and after that they'll be answering to me and some of them will pay with their positions in the team next week we will not stand for this instead it was kind of like oh look you know yeah no it was kind of disappointing and there's a lot of kind of's and it was like and it was like come out and say it yeah who's he trying it to was not unacceptable. offend it was unacceptable Tim where do you think it leaves North well, that's the big question. I mean, do they go and look for a tried coach like a Leon Cameron or a Ken Hinckley? They'd be looking at what's happening at Essendon. They would have been very nervous yesterday, seeing given that they thought that they were going to unveil Alistair Clarkson this week. And then they're probably looking at it today going, well, what is plan B? Because I dare say plan A, it was Alistair Clarkson, and plan B probably got wasn't one. much else. I've got a plan B for him. I'd yes. go, if, if, if this is how we think it's going to pan out and Clarkson goes to Essendon, he could turn around and, and pick North still. Yes. I just don't think that's going to happen. I reckon they go to Hinkley. Throw five years at him. He's got a year left on his deal. And what does he have to do next year to survive in that job? No, I, well, and I don't think Port Adelaide would stand in the way. If North Melbourne came to Ken Hinckley with an offer and Ken Hinckley said, I'm really thinking about this, Port Adelaide wouldn't stand in the way, surely. Jeez, is it that bad between Ken Hinckley and Port Adelaide? I'm looking at – if I'm Ken Hinckley, I'm the, thinking – The Port Adelaide players are still playing for yeah, Ken Hinckley. I, yes, I understand yes. that. I understand that. But the language from the club is never good. And I reckon if you're him and you're thinking, what do I have to achieve next year for this to go away? I, I'm saying he can extend. He can get a five-year deal on the table as opposed to next year and that's it and you're out. I'd, I'd have a crack. Based on what Port Adelaide did after the 0-5 start, are you tipping Port Adelaide to play finals next year? <sighs> I reckon they're going to be very close. Yeah. I'm, you know I, what? If I'm, I'm Ken Hinckley, I'm backing myself in at Port Adelaide. Okay, that's fine. Or you could take a five-year, you could have some security of tenure. Mate, it's a small Melbourne club. Mm -hmm. They've got significant challenges ahead of them, North Melbourne. You know, like if you look at no club faces a bigger rebuild challenge than Adam Simpson. I'm not sure Adam Simpson gave any significant consideration to overtures from former premiership teammates when people like Anthony Stevens and Glenn Archer were ringing him a few weeks back. I I don't know, but Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think he, he let West Coast know there'd been contact just in case you know they heard through different channels and i don't think he seriously considered it now me i'm looking at port with rosie butters um dersma uh they found a great forward ruck in finlayson you know you bring something different charlie dixon's still there alia alia's still there there's nothing that tells me that port uh, that port adelaide will be less than what they were this year and you take out the zero five start which was around injuries I think 
I think Port Adelaide's going to be a top eight team next year. And a chance maybe with a bit of a softer draw than what they had this year as well, finishing mid-table. I don't mind Essendon's list either. Yeah. And, and you know, I reckon, I reckon um, you know, Ridley, um, Parrish, Merritt, you've got, uh, I don't know what happens to Stringer, um, uh, the Ruckman. Who's the champion on that list? The Ruckman. Not, not, not yet, he's not. He will be. Will he? I think so. Geez, there's a few hurdles to jump before that. Well, there is, but I think I, I'm I'm saying I'm not sure the direction of the Essendon team has been the right direction. So you, who's to say someone like Clarko can't turn things around for everybody? Isn't this list about where it's been for about five years? And isn't their performance about where it's been? Actually, for not five this years? year. This year, well, they played finals last year, and uh, this under year, Ben Rutten, they didn't. Yeah, under Ben Rutten, this year has been dreadful. And you know, I picked them to win it earlier in the year. Tim, it's a, something I've been living down all year. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, if Clarks, Clarkson gets hold of them, I'm tipping them to play finals next year and win one. Yeah, I'd, I'd reserve judgment on that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I wouldn't write him off. Clarkson's a very good coach, but I'm not sure that's a great list. Yeah, I don't mind it. Jake Nile, colleague in Melbourne, good friend of mine. We often have long, as you know, as you came with Jake, long off-air discussions about mm-hmm. footy. He, he makes the point repeatedly, who is the Hall of Famer on Essendon's list? It's a very good yeah, question. Yeah, it's a good point. Yeah. The, the midfielders are accumulators, aren't they? So they're not going to go down as... Maybe merit? Maybe. At a stretch? Maybe. Yeah. Yep. Parrish, no. Uh, Shield, no. Uh, Ridley, we're way too far back to know. Um, I would say the same thing about the Ruckman. Um, you know, Peter Wright, no. <laughs> Jake Stringer, hit and miss. Yeah. There is no Hall of Famer. There's no clear Hall of Famer on that list. Maybe one of the kids. Maybe Archie Perkins. Maybe Archie maybe. Perkins comes yeah. good. And yep. Maybe. I, I'm intrigued by it all. I really am. And what's going to happen? And well, who ends up at North? Who ends up at Port? Probably, as you say, might, Kinkley might hang on there. But I, if I was North, I'd have a crack. I would just put it out there. You can only say no. Tim, when something like this happens, do you guys frame a market on who it's going to be and and if you do how quickly does that happen uh well it's something that i think has been done in the past oh, look if you were looking at it right now from an essendon point of view you'd imagine alistair clarkson today would be very short and probably one. yeah <laughs> and and probably shortening from there so uh, but it's interesting what what it would look like at north melbourne as well i'd be fascinated to see how that would look now, that market, given that Clarko's probably drifting now. He would, would have been a short price favourite over the What's course of the What's going on behind closed doors at North Melbourne right now? <sighs> they're scrambling, they're yep. pulling their hair out. Well, the There's... first thing you've got to do is you've got to fire your best bullet at Clarko, don't you? Mm. Yes. I think they have. So it's five years. Well, maybe you've got to up the money. Or maybe you've got to offer him the opportunity to bring more support crew around him. Yes. Um, or maybe you've got to find a a multi-billionaire who's prepared to give him some ambassadorial role or something, as well, that, they often that, do. That, well, that's more GWS territory, though, isn't it, the ambassadorial? Is, so are we saying, uh, do you agree that he's out of that GWS market? My understanding is that Uze is now a clear front runner okay, yeah. at GWS. Right. Blew him out of the water. Yeah. And maybe Clarko didn't. Well, Maybe his heart wasn't in it. Well, as Luke Hodge says, you've got to be careful you don't get derailed by the Clarko show. Yeah. You know, where he wants to control the entire club. 
And that would be a real danger at a club like GWS, I reckon. You know, small club yeah. in a developing market. Do you still see GWS as the most attractive of the three options, GWS, Essendon, North Melbourne, or do they slip I would, behind I, Essendon? If I was the AFL, I would want him to coach GWS. Yes. I think they need success in that market, and I think he's the best chance of getting them that in the shorter term. I think their list is still... Definitely a finals list. Yes. Their list is at least as good as Essendon's, isn't it? Yep, it is. Yes. I, I, I still think Essendon's list is pretty good. I really do. I'm, I'm bullish about their list, but they've been treading water for a while. I mean, last year, they, you know, how many days since they've won a final, et cetera, et cetera. It's been, this is, this rot started with her, well, maybe pre her. Now, you're a Hawthorne man. You know how many days it is since they've won a final. <laughs> 8,742. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it it's not my Nirvana when Essendon struggles. <laughs> Pretty bloody close. I can t- um, okay, so back to Tim. Let's say Clarko, by the end of today, we're saying Clarkson's coaching Essendon. If you're doing a market for, hypothetically, if you're doing a market for North Melbourne, who is it? Who are your top three? And what order have you got them in? I'd have Cameron, Hinkley, and Lyon. Is is Ross Lyon completely out of the picture? I could I still have this thought in the back of my head that he is going to coach another club down the track. And it could be as soon as next Would year. he be a fit? I mean, we're saying Uze is the favourite at GWS. Would he be a good fit for GWS? I'll tell you where he would he knows be. knows the Sydney market. I'll tell you where he would be a good fit. He'd be a good fit at Essendon. Because Nick Hind would not be turning away no. from him on the bench. I, I can tell you that right I, now. I, I, I hated that look. I it was petulant yeah. at its worst. That look. Yeah, hated it. And that's the bloke that missed the two tackles when Josh Dacos kicked the goal of the year um, in the game they lost at the death. Uh, yeah, that was Nick Hind. Hey, I'll remind you of a funny story you've probably forgotten. But there was a guy by the name of Ian Robson who was general manager at Hawthorne, and when Clarko was coach, and he announced. Um, caught them all off guard. Oh, I'm going to be CEO at Essendon. Well, Clarko marched him out of the office. Now he's going to Essendon. How'd that happen? <laughs> what will that dynamic look like? Because that's the one thing in all of this the last 24 hours. I can't comprehend how a Hawthorne man, Alistair Clarkson, can now be coaching Essendon. Well, he's a North Melbourne man From and a Melbourne start. man. Yes. Yeah, I know what you're saying. He's now more Hawthorne yes. than anything. Oh, these things happen. Yep. I mean, it doesn't fit sit that comfortably to be quite frank but uh, I, I'm intrigued by how we'll yeah. go there I, I always barrack for the story I guess and I'd like to see how he and you look at a list and you want them to reach their potential don't you really you want to see how they all go I want them to reach their potential I think he's the best man to do it yeah I reckon we overstate yeah. th- these club rivals they're mercenaries that's that's what players are now um, and if we were in their position we would probably be the same you know like if someone's it's like when Fans say, oh, so-and-so should retire. What, and hand back $500,000? Yeah. Are we handing back $500,000 if, if we've got a contract that says we're entitled to it? No. So he's going where he thinks his best chance of success is mm-hmm. and where the money is. And Essendon, I'm guessing, can match North Melbourne's money and he will view the resources of the club and the fact they're a big Melbourne club as his best chance of success. They're a massive Melbourne club. Yeah. They are one of the big clubs, and they've been dormant for a while, but you, don't, you only have to shake at the tree a bit, and you watch them come out from everywhere, mate. So they had a membership record, as I understand it, but their attendances tell a very different story. So a couple of weeks ago, Fremantle thought they could finish the year with the fourth highest average home crowds 
for the season. And the club amongst – so the, the ones in front of this, them um, were the big four in Melbourne. So Carlton, Collingwood, Richmond, Essendon. Yep. They thought they could get Essendon. So Essendon were, on average, I think 3,000 a game higher. And Fremantle thought with the Derby and a couple of games – uh, that Essendon were playing that I think they've got a big drawing one this week I think they play Richmond do they, they play yes. Richmond um, so that'll be a big crowd um, especially after the interest we've seen this week Ooh. but they had Port Adelaide on the weekend where one man and a dog were there so um, that tells you that they're a long way off song the other thing that's interesting about Alistair Clarkson going to Essendon if that indeed is the case you talk about the big crowds, Anzac Day, Dream Time at the G. They do the country game with Geelong. They're big occasions at the MCG, whereas North Melbourne don't quite have that other than Good Friday. I agree with you. I had to giggle a bit with the country game against Geelong. There. Yeah. Is that that big? Oh, what, Dream Time at the G is massive. Yeah. Anzac Day, there's no bigger home and away fixture. Why would Essendon have a country game? Just quite <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> They're events, though, aren't they? They're yeah. events that... Was that that game where McLaughlin turned up and was holding a small lamb? Yes, I think so. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Thinking, <laughs> why am I in this photo opportunity? How did this happen? Looking, <laughs> looking at his PA. Slightly uncomfortable. Really? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> then there's the Carlton and Richmond games as well that they get as home games at the G. So they're big occasions, aren't they? Yeah. yeah no, I can I, see the appeal. If I'm looking at GWS, and he, I don't think he wants to move from Melbourne, right, from Victoria. He's got his farm, in, I think it's in the north of Melbourne. Um, he likes to tinker when he gets a bit of time off. He doesn't want to go up to Sydney. So there's down to two, and I'm tipping, I think I know the one he's picking. Big club wins. Yep, big yep. club wins. Now, we should move on to a bit of a intriguing tribunal case tonight with Cordy, with Zane Cordy. So he gets off, doesn't he? He has to get off. Um not, not, not because – so I'm worried about the bump, but there's no charge. How does a guy arrive at the tribunal when there's no charge? I'm actually not worried about the bump in this occasion. You know I'm strong on head contact, but we've got to have some contact left in the game, and that to me was a good old-fashioned hip and shoulder. And, okay, where, where does the concussion come into it? Is the whiplash motion or is it his head hitting the ground? Yes, the hip and shoulder caused it, but there was no contact to the head from his body. I don't think I'd like to see that rubbed out, the hip and shoulder. Whereas I think the worst one at the weekend was Crouch. And he gets a week. Yeah, because the player got up. Yeah, geez, it was a pretty of a brutal hit, though. That's a, that had to be a week, but it's no more than a week because the player mm. gets up. Yeah, if okay. the player doesn't get up, it's two to three. So I think that's a far worse action. Yeah, I absolutely. Think, and, and also it adds to the fact that there is no charge. Surely he gets off. When Crouch did what he did, you knew... That was a week. Yep. Yes, straight away. We, yep. we, no one was trying to line that up against Paddy Cripps. No. You just, that's, that's a late, high hit. And depending on what happens to the other bloke, we'll see how long he gets. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, do you agree tonight? I, I think it's very problematic that a bloke can lob at the tribunal without a charge. So clearly the AFL, Brad Scott has said, we don't like that. So therefore we think we have to take that to the tribunal and test it. Um, but... I don't know how. I don't even know how it lines up with the AFL constitution. You know, can you just ship a bloke off to the tribunal? Yeah, I'm not sure what law he's digressed there. I mean, that's just a hip and shoulder. Yeah, and we all cop them. There's nothing worse than when you don't see those coming, and you and you get to brace yourself. Or you know what, executing one of those is one of the best feelings in footy. Yeah, I'm I'm with you absolutely. I would be very disappointed if Zane Cordy was to sit on the sidelines and miss the clash against Hawthorne this week. I'd hope that he gets off that tonight. Okay, so bookies, yes, 
Smart money. Yes. Who are you on for the flag? Right now, I'm with the Cats, and I've been very happy to be with the Cats probably since they came over here and beat West Coast. You could just tell, even early in the season where they dropped a few games, there was the building blocks being put into place, and now they are right there. And Look, there's going to be the questions of September. They haven't lived up to the hype in September the last five, six, seven years. But I think this year they've been able to, in a way that they did in 2011, get the rest into the players, the the senior players in the group. We saw it on the weekend with Mitch Duncan, Selwood, Dangerfield had the week off. We saw he was the late withdrawal against St Kilda. They're just managing their way beautifully. Too much rest coming up though? That's the question, yes. The the buy. So you've got the game against West Coast this week, which you can't imagine them taking any risks. They don't need to. They're two games clear on top. And then there's the week off ahead of the finals, potentially a week off ahead of a preliminary final as well if they win. And Jay Cameron, that is to me yes. now the asterisk here. Yep. I think, so that's the hammy. They reckon it's not a severe hamstring, but he has a history of hamstring injuries. We know he doesn't return too well from them. So I would think, I would be... He's certainly not playing this week. He's then got the bye. I'd be surprised if he plays in the first final. But then you're coming back, first game in four weeks, maybe. But, you know, I think that's still the little asterisk. I reckon clubs are different with hamstrings now. They're more sophisticated in their ability to diagnose them, and they're more sophisticated. Remember mid-season, we couldn't believe that Paddy Cripps was going to play against Fremantle in Perth a week after... Yeah, it looked like a real high hammy, yeah. that one too, didn't it? So, And then Paddy Cripps turns up and plays, no ill effects. I think things are a little bit different. So I'd be surprised if he doesn't play in the first final. I'd be very surprised if he plays this week. I reckon Adam Simpson's on the phone to Chris Scott saying, rest as many as you yeah. like. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, I think uh, the uh, Eagles' defence might be breathing a little easier, although Tommy Hawkins, bit of a sniff for the Coleman, but now he'll probably find himself up against Barass. And that won't be easy after what we saw on the weekend. He was outstanding. Uh, Tom Hawkins, so seven behind. It's going to take something pretty special to run down Charlie Kernow, you'd think, for the Coleman medal. Uh, but from the West Coast side of it, absolutely agree with what you said there. Rest a few more players. and uh, Well, it's going to take a big turnaround for North Melbourne to, percentage-wise, yeah. get above West Coast. So the simple thing for them might just be to beat the Gold Coast. Um, yeah, well, that's, that's not beyond... No. That's not beyond the pale either, is it, really? Well, from a North point of view, perhaps, I think from an Eagles point of view, it's, it's GMHBA... They're, in, they're not taking their foot off Geelong. No. And they're smashed up, the Eagles. They'll be minus Nick Nat, probably. Um, oh, it's got ugly written all over yeah, it. Yeah, it does. Tim it's- Kelly, they get Tim Kelly back from suspension. Yep. Um, you wouldn't think Willie Rioli comes back. He trained from- this morning, apparently. Did he? So maybe he goes. Maybe. Maybe he goes. Uh, I don't know. As I said to you a few weeks ago, if I was the Eagles, I'd be getting through the match and I'd be stopping at Clatworthy's across the road and having a couple of quiet ones and thinking, thank God that season's over. Yeah. <laughs> Put that one in the rear vision yeah. mirror. The famous pub across yes. the road from Kidinia Park. It kind of summed up their season, didn't it, last weekend when... Um, they get beaten in the derby. They they gave a they pretty, were good. They gave a pretty strong account of no, themselves. No, they were actually good. I thought they were pretty good. But their waffle teams kicks one goal, mm. and that you know there's a catastrophe happening every week at West Coast at the moment. Uh, we just mentioned Barras before playing himself into All Australian, but certainly into the squad. So I'm trying. The thing I'm trying to get a read on, and maybe Tim can help us here, is I'm trying to remember what Tommy was like when 
there were 150 things wrong with West Coast early in the season. And I don't think he was horrible. No, he was... But how good was he? And and so, because the last six weeks, he has been the best power defender. He was, under, yeah. he was under siege. That's what he was. I think he was really solid, actually. Um, they were just under siege. It's not... Yeah. The, Greatest defender in history, I think, would have struggled. And they had Jeremy McGovern, who was in pretty good touch in the first half of the season, so he had mm. him back there as well for company. I reckon he missed the Friday night game against Richmond. He was a late out there, so that was one of their worst ones. Yes, that was that was. Who the, does he nudge out of that back six for all Australian? Is it May? Is it Sicily? I, well, I reckon if you just go in the past six weeks, he's ahead of all of them. Yeah. Yes, no one's playing better than Tom Barris. Back there at the moment. Not disagreeing, but who does who who makes way for him? Well, I, he's ahead of all of them. Yeah. So Stephen May, yeah, Stephen May's the one you thought that the, the big body, you know, post up defender. So that's the the like for like, and he's playing better footy than Stephen so May. So I reckon the question to ask is right now, if you're a power forward, who do you least want to play on? And I reckon the answer is Tom Barras. Yeah, Rory Lobb would certainly say that after Saturday night. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> he was terrific, uh, Barras. As as was they, they were great, and your boys, Duff. I was I was I was pleased that there was a hard game in the wet. Uh, magnificent performance by Sean Darcy, by the way. Uh, incredible performance, and right at the right time, I reckon. Yeah, good hard slog. They've shown they've, they've proven to themselves they're not complete wombats in the wet. They have only beaten West Coast, who have only won two games for the season. So let's not... Um, oh, as uh, Wombat's no good in the wet. I thought they... As Harvey Keitel said to Samuel Jackson and John Travolta in Pulp Fiction after they'd cleaned the car, <laughs> I think translated, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Um, but um, I would say that they had to get the four points. They got the four points. They need the four points again this week and then just see what else happens well, around them. What's the... What sort of interest is there punter-wise for Freo regarding the finals? So just having a look at their market at the market for the premiership at the moment, they're $15. So they've got now six teams ahead of them, that being Geelong, Melbourne, Sydney, Collingwood, Brisbane, Richmond, and then Fremantle. I think there'd be a number of people out there that would probably have Fremantle as that six or seven seed. If they finish top four... There's every chance that they get to a prelim final from there. You'd back them in to start favourites at home, regardless of who they played. I know they've lost a few games here this year, but I'll probably have them up a little bit higher. And if they can make the top four, I think there's every chance, as I said, that they'll be at the, the so prelim final they stage. They slide into fourth, for example, yeah. and they played Geelong week one. Is that at GMHBA with the reduced capacity, with the new development there? The final? Yeah. No, I would have thought, thought it's the MC. Okay. It might even be Marble Stadium, depending on what other games. Don't forget that yeah. there's a chance that Carlton could be playing Collingwood first week of finals there's yes. a couple of other games that might people might say we need that one at the MCG so the good thing is they've got a home final Frio regardless it's either in the first week or the second week yes. so we'll wait and see what happens um, Collingwood interesting I don't know what to make of the uh, I, I love the way Sydney went about it um, controlled the footy didn't allow them to play their surge game tag Nick Dacos but I don't know can Sydney defend the SCG so well I think you'll see a different Collingwood They'll be allowed to be themselves a bit more on the MCG and bigger grounds. So it's hard to know what to take out of that. I expected them to fall away at some stage. It's only one game, so it's not fallen away. But there were some hints in that game. Well, let's talk about Carlton in the eight, out of the eight. Oh, oh the, the easiest way 
for it to happen would be for Hawthorne to beat the Western Bulldogs, which again isn't out of the realms of What about Carlton just beat Collingwood? Yes, that's that's we, the easiest way for them. Yes. I'm tipping them. It's a toss of the coin. You know what? We should never been having this conversation. Dumb football last Saturday. Just control the footy. Uncontested possessions at yep. the end. Hang are you surely you train within an inch of your life for this situation. Well, Owie's is not going to feel good about himself. Well, there's not just it, him though. But if he if that kick makes it to Adam Saad on the full, yeah, they win the game. I, I agree. He's not going to miss his target. Saad hits another target. Well, someone sprinting at a million miles, Usain ba- pa- ba- backwards twenty meters, and he finds them. That's game over. They go fifty meters backwards. They <laughs> go thirty meters sideways. They go long down the line. Siren goes. So what's so hard about over. that? Well. It got hard because Owies didn't hit, didn't <laughs> make right. Sard on the fall. So Sard had to go long down the line uh, and everything else unfolded. The foot, from there. I believe in fate. I reckon the football gods wanted this last game. 90 at the G, Collingwood Carlton. Carlton have to win to play finals. Archie Enemy. I love it. And I reckon the footy gods wanted this. That's beautifully said. The, the only thing that could make it better was if the Hawthorne and Bulldogs game went at the same time. Now, the broadcasters clearly that we've got the 11 10 Perth, 1 20 Perth time. So I understand it can't happen, but that would be the perfect you can have scenario. My, you can have my boys, mate. I won't be picking them. Not no. after last week. No. That was woeful. Yeah, they were ordinary. They were intense, worse than ordinary. And I'm not happy with the way Sam Mitchell coached either. No. Although I will, I don't mind the Sicily move. Did not mind it. What, when Tom Lynch has bought his own ball to no, forward line? You're not going to make finals. I, it's hard to watch as a supporter, but I don't mind asking a question when you can get away with it. I don't mind. There may be a situation in the future when Hawthorne's competing in finals or close to, and they need to move Sicily. And you know what? You, you know he can play up the field. Jack is a, a forward who they've moved back. Have a look at him against the very best. He now he now goes into the postseason thinking, "Gee whiz, oh, I had my pants pulled down there." But the postseason, yeah, postseason. It was about thirty seconds in, mate. Yeah, no, when I, the ball goes forward, <laughs> I know. And Tom Lynch clunks the first one in the goal. But you field. find a bit about your players now. It's hard to watch at the time, but I understand it. But I, no, I don't. But it's not just that game. There are other games this year where uh, Mitchell. It's all or nothing. You can't play coach like that, but. I guess he's finding out a bit about his list and he's prepared to... Don't forget, in Clarkson's first year there, Hawthorne's get their pants pulled down every second week. So did, did leave Zach Dawson on Anthony yes. Rock. And look what happened. Which raised a few eyebrows. No, but look what happened. Became one of the be- better defenders in the competition. So who's to say? Zach Dawson was... At, what year was that? When oh, Zach Dawson was one of the better oh, defenders. Oh, come on. He, was, he held his own very well at Freo. <laughs> he was a good player at Freo. He had Luke McFarlane taking the best forward every week. He's still a good player. Very good player. As, as, he did well to eke out as many games as he did. I think that's... Too much? Too much G- GST? I think you had a bit too much GST. <laughs> <laughs> Over-enthusiastic about that? Very quickly before we go to the mailbag. Yep. If you're Fremantle, does Rory Lobb play against GWS in Canberra Has this to. weekend? Has to. I think you have to with the week off after as well. If nothing else, Sam Taylor, he takes care of Sam Taylor and just yep. brings the ball to ground. So just structure. I think structure is the only reason he plays. I think you saw when he was out there on one arm, um, at least he was giving them something, wasn't he, yes. a contest. So I think he has to play this week because it's very important for them to win. So it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because it's very important for them to win, but I'm not sure Rory's the sort of bloke that soldiers on. Well, the coach says he does. Well, what else is he going to say? Well, he was... I'm sure Bren Rutten says that um, Hines a good listener as well. <laughs> um, good point. I, I, I reckon I, I'd want Rory fit and fresh for that first final. Mm. 
I want to win this week. Yeah, well, I'd, you might have Tabata back for that first final too. Yeah, maybe, maybe. If if results go according to plan, and that is that Collingwood as favourites beat Carlton, and the Western Bulldogs take care of Hawthorne, and uh, that would leave Fremantle sitting in fifth spot, so they'll rise above either Brisbane or Melbourne. Whoever loses, unless it's a draw. Uh, yes, unless it's a draw. Who would Fremantle prefer to play? Would it be Carlton or the Western Bulldogs in week one of the very, finals? Very good question. Duff? Um, if it's here, I reckon Carlton. Yeah. Just in finals for the first time in a long time. Um, yeah. They will have spent a few pennies getting there, yep. I reckon. You good know, call. they played to good the call. death against Melbourne. They'll play to the death again against Collingwood this week. If they get there... Carlton, they'll feel like they've already played too. Um, yep. The Dogs have played in some big finals here recently. And they're mercurial, aren't they? Their coach is mercurial. They've got the mercurial midfield. Yep. They can turn up and just do a number on you, yeah. the Dogs. Yep. Which they did to West Coast in 2016 on the way to the flag. Flew to Perth, belted West Coast, went on, won the flag. Now, I'm still shaking my head about that game. I was yeah. in, I'm stunned at quarter time of that game. Yeah. I probably obviously didn't rate the Dogs highly enough. Well, we all didn't. And we're all wrong. Right now it's time for this. Saddle up your camel. It's time for the Thirsty Camel Mailbag. I'm excited, Duff and Tim. This is the first week we get to give away a new prize. It's now a carton of Green Coast Lager from Stone and Wood Brewery. Have you tasted it? Yes. Good? Goes well. Goes very nicely. Not yet. I I plan to work on it. Well, I need to. I, I plan to research. I'm not much... For a boutique bib, so I'd not need to try. I've been told very good things about it. I'm more of your standard Swan Carlton man, but uh, I do. So you Swan draft? Oh yeah, it's yeah. a good drop. Not swan much draft. difference between Swan mm. and Carlton, but we need to be yeah. talking about Green Coast Lager here. A very good drop. Anyway, lots of emails this week. Please keep them short. Please let us know if you're from the great state of Western Australia. You can't win the prize if you're not. Firstly, we'll start off with a hard one. Hey, fellas, which current players from the Eagles do you think won't be there next year? That's from Sam from Treby near Jandicott. So this is interesting because I reckon they're going to back in the oldies they know can play for one more year. I think, obviously, Josh Kennedy's going to be the exception to that. Yep. I think uh, Jack Redden's got a trigger, so I expect him so to be 19 around. games was his trigger. He's played that. Um, Adam Simpson basically has declared now Shuey, Hearn, Nat Nui. And they're the most extreme ones. So the others you'd expect to still be around, unless, unless there's a trade opportunity. I don't think anyone trades for 30-year-olds anymore. Let's, let's, so. We'll touch on that in a sec. So what's your take on the elephant in the room? What's your take on the you know the Herald Sun top 100 rich list of AFL players? Do they do a Sam Mitchell, Jordan Lewis? Is it time to clear some out, to clear some salary cap space and get things moving? The problem is if you're building a list, how do you build a list if you're paying Andrew Gaff $900,000 and taking him off West Coast hands. If you're North Melbourne, even if Andrew Gaff says, I'd like to go back to Melbourne, I'll play two years for North. If you're North Melbourne, you can't be paying Andrew Gaff $900,000. No. No. You can't be. So I, I, I reckon, they're st- I think to a degree they're stuck with it, aren't they? Really. Yeah, the only one I could think of with any sort of currency, and he's found a little bit of form over the last month or so, got the bag up at the Gold Coast, is Jack Darling, and he was pretty competitive again on Saturday night, albeit in trying conditions. What what do you think about... I've thrown this one at Duff a few times. He doesn't agree with me. What do you think about 
you go to a team, you go to the Western Bulldogs, and you say, you give us your first round pick, your late first round pick, we'll give you McGovern. So you get the intercept defender that could take you to the Holy Grail, that could take you to silverware next year. They got an intercept defender of his calibre, and you put Sam Darcy down there as well. That could change things up for them. Just a suggestion. And another pick for the West Coast Eagles, another first round pick. It's a it's a good suggestion. I, I think it's one that everything has to be on the table for the West Coast Eagles. I think with their current plight, okay. there's one point one wiped. So there's two things. Two things. One, Jeremy McGovern came back from the summer break in the best shape he's ever been in. Other players didn't. Jeremy McGovern was in great form. Other players weren't. Mm. Yeah, that gives him some trade currency. Um, but is that the bloke, if you're trying to set standards at West Coast, is that the bloke you want to push out the door? Is he going to be in your next premiership window? Uh, probably not. So, Okay. So the other thing is if you're the Western Bulldogs, are you giving a first rounder for a guy who's 31? Well, you can. If you win a flag, you are. And I reckon that we saw, we've seen what the Eagles were prepared to do for Tim Kelly. And I think McGovern absolutely matches that and then adds some. I think he would be so crucial to them. So here's the thing. West Coast has to take a first-round draft pick. Yep. Let's say they get a first-rounder for Jeremy McGovern. We know that Melbourne are going to want two first-rounds for Luke Jackson, and the assumption is that Fremantle will and West Coast won't. What if Fremantle, uh, What if West Coast does McGovern to the Dogs and gets the first-rounder? And what if they then split number two pick into, say, number five and number 11 pick? There you go. And they give two of them... To Melbourne, take Luke Jackson, have the successor to Nick Natanui, maybe tap Nick on the shoulder and say, "Sorry, you're retiring." Uh, do you know yeah. the other thing I'll add, just on your other point, is if he, it's surely he's not the only one who sets the standards at training. So surely there's other people on that list. If I'm he, saying that he led the way. Out of all the other players, well, look at Luke Shuey's the captain. He was hamstrung from five seconds into the first intra club. Elliot Yo's had OP. For two years. Nick Natanui's got bone-on-bone knee. He's heavy. By any reasonable measure, he is heavy. Mm -hmm. Um, Andrew Gaff just goes about, does his thing. You know, same with Jack Redden. Jeremy McGovern was the vice captain who quite obviously said, what we did last year was unacceptable. I'm stepping up. The only other bloke I've seen him do that this year is Tom Barras. So you're showing one of them the door. I don't know. It's a... I understand, from a list management perspective, I understand exactly what you're saying, but it's a very, very strange message to send to your player group. What about Willie Rioli? Yeah, I reckon... 27, hasn't committed. They've offered him a two-year deal, hasn't committed. If I was them, I'd be looking at trade options for Willie. So he goes to Richmond? That's You prefer him to go to Richmond? You think that'd be the best... I I reckon Richmond will be more enamoured with him. They know the Rioli family... They will feel that they can get the best out of him. And we know that Willie's best is pretty bloody good. Yes. Um, it's exceptionally good. But he's another one. You know, has Willie turned over every rock to be the best footballer he can be? By the way, their front six all of a sudden looks pretty good at Richmond. It's potent. With Morris yeah. Jr. Yeah. Oh, geez, that, top, that front six looks really Yeah, it looks good. even more potent when James Sicily's playing in the midfield, not in defence. <laughs> <laughs> but we know he can play in the midfield now. <laughs> What's a Willie Rioli worth now to... What would Richmond Second, for? 20s? Yeah. 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 Second yep. round. Yep. Second round. 
Okay, this one from Curtis. G'day, boys. Duff spoke last week about how Maddie Taberner has been playing on house money. Could the same logic be applied to Sonny Walters? Drafted at 53 in the 08 draft, first three years played sporadically due to injuries and weight issues, then banished from the club by Ross Lyon at the start of 2012. I guess no one would have thought he would have played 200 games at this stage. Played pretty well at the weekend, too. I think he's been okay of late, Sonny. Well, he was a, he's one of the great small forwards of his era, and he's battling a bit now, but he was very good on the weekend. Two goals, um, a lot of score involvements on a wet night. Yeah, he's he's been all right. He's just lost a yard, hasn't he? He's just. I think it was was it Ed Richards against the Bulldogs. Looked behind him and saw Michael Walters and said, "You can't catch me, mate," and just kept going. And and Sonny gave a very honest and earnest chase, and he couldn't catch him. He gives um, you. He does give you hundred percent. Those. I, things, I want yeah. Michael Walters in my team. Yep. Yeah. yeah, he's smart. He's got great skills. If you give him a half chance, he's going to take it. You know what? Mid season, I would have said no. Yes, but he's turned me around in the second half of the year. He wants to be out there. He's giving everything he's got. I, I think he needs to be out there. He's good for that list. For Incidentally, that a lot of fuss and froth and bubble over Jack Ginevan, whether he gets high contact freeze. Michael Walters doesn't get any more. Yeah, Michael Walters has to have his head knocked off to get because he. Spent some time ducking his head. So I'm all this rubbish about Jack Ginevan. I'm sorry, Jack. By the way, uh, Horse Longmuir's um, Longmire Longmire has come out this morning and said to uh, told a bit of a message to the Sydney fans who booed him at the weekend. Uh, just don't do it. Don't do it anymore. So um, they listen to the horse. So this there. is because Jack Ginevan has publicly put it on the record that he's battling, right? Mm-hmm. So here's my question. If Jack Ginevan, well, Jack Ginevan's got a strained hamstring, so he won't play this week, correct? No. Because he's injured. Yep. If he had concussion, he wouldn't play this week, correct? Because he's injured. Why does Collingwood get to put him out there with mental health issues and say you've got to look after him? What is this? Is this the Widgie Mawther under 14s? This is the AFL. There is no such thing as paranoia in the AFL. They really are out to get you. The opposition is, the opposition fans are. Um, Jack Ginevan sought attention. Shushing crowds, showing the ball to crowds. Putting the Redmond tackle on his Facebook homepage. Yes. That was his photo. Jack Ginevan <laughs> sought to milk free kicks and free kicks that were going to give him shots on goals. Jack Ginevan publicly put his mental health issues on the record in a post-match interview. If Collingwood... I don't, I don't, I don't have a lot of sympathy for a club who wants sympathy for a player and then puts him out there in the toughest sporting competition in Australia. The AFL is not a halfway house for players who are battling mental health issues. If Jack Ginevan goes away and deals with it, he, he deserves our absolute support and understanding. But if he's out there, he's an AFL player. And just purely on a form point of view at the moment, I'll take on board what you say there, Duff. It's... His form has tapered over the last has. month or two, hasn't it? And there's probably going to be questions around whether he's in Collingwood's best Stay, up come final. Stages are about to get much bigger. Yeah. Very, always big stage. By the way, great crowd at the SCG at the weekend. 44,000. It was fantastic, yeah. the atmosphere there. They've made the long drive up from Victoria, the Collingwood supporters. Would have been an interesting trip home. They're a big club, aren't they? Yeah, they are. Uh, This one from Brendan from Inglewood. I love this email. Hey, fellas, my my go-to pod every week. Keep up the great work. Call me superstitious, but I don't think the Dockers should pursue Luke Jackson. It may ruin their premiership chances for years to come. I love Luke and the Dockers, but here's my point. Has any player recently, e.g. since Gold Coast and GWS have joined the AFL, 
Won a premiership, then moved clubs and won another. I can't think of any. Happy to be proven wrong so I can feel better if we recruit him. But he does add, I can only think of five in recent history. Pre-G, Gold Coast and GWS. Stuart Jew, 2004 Port to Hawthorne in 2008. Remember the third quarter. Uh, Cam Mooney. Um, ruse to the Cats Byron Pickett What were his stats at the Ruse In the 99 grand final Yeah That's true He did too <laughs> um, went, went okay in 07 um, yeah. Byron Pickett From the Ruse to Port Darren Jolly From the Swans to the Pies And of course Sean Burgoyne From Port to Multiple flags at Hawthorne So great email From Brendan from Inglewood He also in brackets Go Mount Lawley Ruse That's my junior club So well done Brendan They play at Hamer Park do they? We've just moved to the. Uh, yes, they do because it's moved from Inglewood Oval up the top. But the senior and junior clubs have swapped. Played a couple of games at Hamer Park. They were pretty hard to beat at Hamer Park, Mount Lawley. You go down on a Sunday morning for the um, Oz Kick. You might see uh, Rocky Roo too, big giant kangaroo running round. Funnily enough, I was actually out there on the weekend for my own footy at Hamer Park, and oh, yeah. it was a lake on Saturday afternoon, and it was pretty chopped up by the end of it, as you can imagine, <laughs> with the wet weather that was around. Okay, so yeah, that really good email there, Brendan. Thank you for. The that uh, Luke writes, loving the pod from good old Williamstown in Victoria. I love Willie. It's a great little suburb. Yeah. I was hoping to talk about the Cats player management. At the start of the season, Chris Scott was planning on managing the senior players with an acknowledgement that they would lose more home and away games, but be better set up for finals. But they haven't been losing. He's got the best of both worlds. Manage the old players and they're winning the same amount, if not more than previous years. Tell you what, hats off. What a great performance. They know we're near. I didn't pick them in the eight, right? I picked Essendon to win it, and I didn't pitch along in the eight. I'm going well. But I think my, another minor premiership, look, they've put themselves in the best possible position. You've got to say well done again to Chris Scott and that Geelong Football Club. And if you're going to back the truck up on a trade deal, back it up on a power forward. Oh, yeah. That's the other thing. Not a midfielder. Because you can find midfielders a lot of ways, but you, you don't find power forwards of Jeremy Cameron's quality very often so well done them and the other thing is that if you've got an old team put speed in around them so Max Holmes who I think is the son of Lee Naylor who was a 400 metre runner for yeah. Australia um, she was so she was quick and Max Holmes is quick Isaac Smith Isaac Smith is a runner um, close is quick um, etc etc and uh, Atkins in the middle young younger legs so what they've done is they've kept the experience in there they've put some wheels in around them and um, and they're blessed a little bit because Blitzarves is a super athlete Sam Menegol is a super athlete and you mentioned Isaac Smith super yeah. athlete as yeah. well G'day gents uh, as a Frio member I watched Nick Nat live on the weekend gone and have to ask if JK and Mundy can run around and still boss games yet retire how the heck is Nick Nat still going around the bloke is a shadow of himself, cleverly and massively unfit. Oh, sorry, clearly massively unfit and a liability. He took two marks in the second quarter of the derby, which was 22% uplift of the nine he had taken for the season to date. No wonder Darcy won BOG as he cruised around with no competition. Nick Nat was a physical freak, but no more. Is it time to call it a day? Well, I believe he's going round again, and um, there's no question he has a big post or pre-season ahead of him. He has to. But if that's bone on bone knee, how do you do that? This is the problem. I mean, we we say Nick's heavy and everyone says, oh, what you're saying is he's lazy, he hasn't done the work. With bone on bone knee, it's hard. Get on the Alt-G treadmill, mate. Yeah, Anti-gravity treadmill. It's not the same. It's not the same. Like, Justin Longmuir spent 18 months, last 18 months of his career doing that. And, you know, Justin looks fitter now than he did then. Um, all right, it's a... It's an interesting discussion, and I reckon West Coast should have the discussion.
I reckon. Have they got a an heir apparent? They know. Oh, Dare say they've looked at Bailey Williams, hoping that he'd probably come on a little bit quicker. But again, he didn't really set the world on fire on the weekend in the WAFL. There might be one in this next question. Okay. In this next this next email from Stuart Flatman. Hi guys, thanks for the pod. It's always a good listen. I'd like to propose an idea. You hate this stuff. Would Frio be better to trade Sean Darcy to get Jackson rather than Meek? Sean Darcy is better trade currency compared to Meek and he could give us a late first round pick. Meek might be a second, third round pick. The lob trade would be of sim- similar currency to Darcy, meaning Freo will have thir- three late first round picks to negotiate with for Jackson and take to the draft. I- I'm not for trading Darcy yet, but I'm suggesting Meek would be a good look at West Coast. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm not sure where Lloyd Meek will be next year, but Lloyd Meek's an AFL ruckman and an AFL ruckman needs to play AFL. So if Jackson's coming in, Lloyd Meek ain't going to be there. No, he'll have to find another home somewhere else. So it's an interesting one for Freo, isn't it? And yeah, I mean, look, you said I'd hate that, but I mean, that's not the silliest. The silliest one was the one last week that had Fremantle shifting about four of their best young players so they get Luke Jackson. So you'd be now. comfortable with Darcy moving? No, I wouldn't be comfortable yeah. with it, but it's not the silliest thing I've okay. heard about the Luke Jackson trade. Uh, this one from Shane from Bateman. Uh, love the pod. Although West Coast on the weekend was a tale of their season, not being able to play four quarters. Love the intent from the boys and thought there was some green shoots starting to show. The desperation shown by Zav was a great example of this. With Essendon's lack of comparable spirit in the weekend, where are the Worsfold haters who ran him out of that club after he brought them back to some relevance. Is it a case of be careful what you wish for when you sack a leader? Two interesting segue, an interesting segue there, but he raises a good point with Worsfold. They weren't going to honour the last year of his contract there. That was disgraceful treat. It was a dog act. And look at them now. How far have they progressed? Well, they've regressed, haven't they? Yeah, it's this is tawdry. The, the whole thing is very tawdry. The first text I got when the Ben Rutten stuff broke yesterday was someone's I won't name them but said that maybe John Worsfold wasn't such a bad coach um, people have long memories in footy we gave the club back some cred which they've since maybe has been eroded a little bit yeah and you know I've, we all talked about Ross Lyon's strengths and weaknesses as, as coach but one thing Ross always said I coach effort not skill you have to bring effort don't you it's the it's the the basic fundamental, if you like. Yeah, you also have to coach skill. I know. We, we, we've we acknowledged that that was one of Ross's shortcomings, but at least Ross's teams tended to have effort. And with John Warsfold, he guided them through 2016, which was oh. such a hard year for the Essendon Footy Club and and got them year. got them back into, into the mix in 2017 to play finals in 17. And they played finals again in 2019, I reckon, didn't they? They were the first – they were West Coast's first victim yes. in the finals. yes. Um, which was the fateful night for Willy Rioli. Mm. Um, yes. So, yeah, I I don't know where Essendon is at. And, I well, Clarkson's going to coach him. That's what we think. But he'd want to go well because I'm not sure where Essendon turns. After if, Clarkson. After Clarkson. And I'm not sure how Clarko looks if he's most of the way up the aisle to the altar with North Melbourne and then backflips and goes up to Windy Hill. This one from Paul from Rockingham. I went to the Derby and I had the privilege to see the send-off of one of Fremantle's greatest players. I stood up at the 16-minute mark to applaud David Bundy. Daft, they listen to us. 
except they didn't go on for the 17th minute for Josh Kennedy. Well, given there was a melee at the 15-minute mark, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm guessing there wasn't going to be much love for a West Coast player <laughs> at the 17-minute mark. Uh, stood up to applaud Dave Bunny and for him to acknowledge the crowd with a thumbs up was a highlight. I decided to stay right to the end to watch Monday do a lap with his family. And if that meant I didn't leave the stadium till late, well, I'm happy to do that considering the 19 years that David Bundy gave to the Fremantle Football Club. David, we salute you. Clearly a West Coast supporter. Another question. Can you explain the 150-metre penalty from Sarong? To get that, it would have have to have been off four infringements, but I only saw one, and how did Redden get away with his hand on Sarong's face? I'm confused. So clearly the umpire didn't see Redden's hand on Sarong's face. I think the original infringement was Sarong throwing Redden to the ground. Then there was contact with Liam Ryan, so that's one. And I suspect there was an element of the umpire making a statement because two 50-metre penalties would have got him to the goal line. So I reckon Matty Nichols has gone, I've had enough of this. We've, we've seen nothing but malaise for about five minutes. So therefore, 50-50-50, everyone play footy. And then two minutes later, Jack Redden caught one as well. So I think this was the umpires taking control of the game. <laughs> And uh, yeah, that led to the Brayshaw goal at the other end, didn't it? Yep. It was Fremantle's third goal of the night. Could have been worse. I don't know if you saw anything from the Super League in England overnight, but Corey Parker, the old NRL, NRL player, has been cited. Uh, they reckon he might miss, be out for eight weeks. Let's just say he did a hopawate, but we'll leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> hopawate. So is it That's it what a, you say when that happens to you. He... Entered in the uh, well, entered the digital age. Well, he? he entered the digital <laughs> age. Yes, <laughs> you want to have a look at it. The uh, teammate of the player infringed against is uh, saying, "Have a look at this." I, I did see in a basketball match once a bloke carrying on like a pork chop, and the umpire just went, "Tech foul, tech foul, tech foul, off." <laughs> 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 Now, I remember Andrew Jarman saying to me once, a, uh, there was a bit of that going on in the um, AFL back in his day, and um, one particular player was well known for it, and uh, he told me that the particular player got into him early. I said, what did you do? He said, I turned around, smiled at him and said, I love it. <laughs> said he didn't do it again. <laughs> Interesting take on it. Um, uh, this one from Sue from Bundaberg. Bundy, hi Duff and Quarters. As an exile from Perth, now living in rural Queensland via Melbourne, your pot is essential listening to this West Coast Eagles fan. However, I have just finished listening to your Thursday pod and was disappointed, Duff, that you did not actually answer the question put to you, having been distracted by discussion about country footballers, about what position it would be for West Coast to spend their draft picks on the upcoming draft. Could you please revisit this? Your opinion is always interesting. My own opinion is that we need a Ruckman who's not a potato, and we needed him at the beginning of this year. It's great to have Nick Nat back, but he's clearly out of shape and will be retiring soon anyway. Cheers, Sue from Bundaberg. Uh, P.S. We do have a thirsty camel bottle shop here, but I'm obviously not eligible. Um, well, as we just said, Nick Nat needs a big, strong postseason ahead of him. Um, your take, Duff, and tip? So what my understanding is they're paying very close attention for a young Victorian key position player called Aaron Cadman. Now, that doesn't mean they'll take him, but I'm told they've had a good, long, hard look at him. Um, if you look at the locals, Ruben Ginby from Dunsborough, uh, he's, a, he's a midfielder and he's a riser. So you know how every year there's a bloke who comes on the scene late and goes up the draft rankings? Ruben Ginby is that player in WA. Elijah Hewitt is very highly rated, sort of forward mid. Um, And the other one is uh, Jed Buslinger, who Jed's peers, so the other 17, 18-year-olds around 
the competition. They rate Jed Buslinger as the best player from WA. But he's a key defender. So unless they do what you're suggesting with McGovern, I suggest West Coast doesn't need a key defender. I think they need speed through the midfield, but if there is a really good power forward, you've you've got to take a deep breath before you go past him. Can they look to do that knowing that they've in that area of the ground they've got Darling for a few more years at least although we were talking about what his value would be Oscar Allen do we back him in to get fit next year and see him out there for the West Coast Eagles what role he's got to play Jake Waterman too so this is the interesting thing isn't it like Simo has backed in Nick Nat to play again Luke Shuey to play again Shannon Hearn to play again Uh, we think Jack Redden's hit the trigger, so he plays again. We don't think Andrew Gaff's going anywhere. What if there was interest for Darling? What if Darling can get them more draft picks? Maybe their philosophy is um, let's keep the oldies we think can play. Uh, let's Oscar Allen will back him in to be one of our power forwards next year. Maybe Bailey Williams emerges as a forward ruck. He hasn't really emerged as a ruckman this year. Maybe we draft in a tall forward. Maybe we load up on draft picks in the top 30 as opposed to the top 20 and we try and pick up some pacey midfielders in the 20s. So maybe that's their strategy. It's so so important. Speed on the ball and it's just something that they have not had and it's been exposed badly this year. Martin from East Vic Park, just a couple to finish off. Hey fellas, do you agree with Paul Hazelby's recent comments that Willie Rioli owes the Eagles nothing and should walk out on the club to play somewhere else? The Eagles have done nothing but stick by a player that has gone through a variety of self-imposed crises. Surely in this case, Willie may owe the Eagles a little more than a second round draft pick by moving to Richmond. I think the Eagles have stuck fat with him and I think he does owe them something. I think he owes them a decent um, draft pick in return, but I think high second round would would be okay. I'd be happy happy with that from a West Coast point of view. If if they were to get a, a high second rounder for Willie Rioli, I think they'd take that as well. And he's won a premiership with the West Coast Eagles, so I think I think Willie Rioli's been pretty good for the West Coast Eagles too. And it's transactional, isn't it? Yep. You know, what is your worth? What is your market value? The industry will tell you that. And provided the club is able to harvest that from Willie Rioli, I don't have any great concern with yep. Willie leaving. Finally, from a Pies fan, not surprising. Ahoy, boys. Love the podcast. Value your opinions. A pet hate of mine is watching players adjusting their hair during a game, Tim, and retrieving their hairbands. Totally avoidable. Keep tipping against the pies. We excel when back's against the wall. Well, not the weekend you didn't. I tipped against you. <laughs> kind regards, Rob from Mandurah. Remember the days. I remember Bruce Duell having his headband ripped off his head and thrown into the crowd. Who did that? Uh, I don't know, but I reckon... It happened at Don Scott as well at Moorabbin. Someone ripped his headband off and threw it in the crown. He wasn't it wasn't too, Bernie Harris from Fitzroy, was it? Could have been, yeah. That's, oh, I'll tell you what, sacrilegious. The flying doormat's headband. Yeah, I just, it rings a bell somewhere deep in the memory bank that it might have been Bernie Harris from Fitzroy. There's a bit of it going on now with the hairbands and the, you know, the double knot. I think Alex Pierce has got a double knot, hasn't he? I, I don't know what's going on with Alex Pierce's hair. All I can say is there's a lot of it. There's a lot of there it. There is, isn't there? I wonder if Rob's maybe pointing out a number 31 at Melbourne, maybe in regards to the hair and playing with that all the all the time in a match. Oh, yes, true. Is that who he'd be referring to? It could be. Oh, there's a few of them that do it. Yeah. You see the hairbands come off and back on again. There's a few kids playing with them now too. Yeah. In junior <laughs> footage. I oh, know your thoughts. Don't. Not one of the issues at the forefront of my mind, anyway. Hey. There you go.
we're a podcast for all people, Dave. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. Um, thank you, Tim, for coming in. Appreciated your time. Fascinating insights. Uh, please, if you have any mail, send it to this address. Send your mail to Duff and Quarters at wanews.com.au. Thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you, Tim, for coming in. We have been brought to you by Tab Touch. Those with the touch, you can better your bet. Download Tab Touch today. Please gamble responsibly and please call Gambler's Help on 1800 858 858 if you encounter any difficulties. We'll be back on Thursday with an update on the news at Essendon and uh, looking forward to a big round 23 of fixtures. If you're a fan of the podcast, why don't you get in touch? Send your thoughts to the Thirsty Camel mailbag at duffandquarters at wanews.com.au. And don't forget to like, subscribe, and of course, tell your mates. Thanks for listening. This has been the Duff and Quarters podcast on the game. You know who? It's unbelievable.